live from Liverpool, we need to talk about ghosts with Kevin Eustace. Yes, it's Sunday. It's time once again for the Sunday Sermon. I'm back in England. Hooray. And it's no longer holiday time. Boo. Um, we went to Wales, as you know, because you got a pre-record last week. I hope it was still informative because you shouldn't have heard it if you're not a Patreon. And if you're a Patreon, you got a new one. So it all worked out quite well in the end. Me and Becca went to Wales, yes, for our annual camp with her friends. Yes, we didn't see a Bigfoot. We went to Linguinant. It's a place just um, in Snowdonia National Park. Yes, it was rammed. Although... You know, people can't go abroad, can they? So people are starting to holiday in UK, or as they're calling it, a staycation. Yes, how very quaint. And it was dead good. We had a ball. We lit lots of fires, legal ones. You know, we didn't go around being arsonists. But um, yeah, we had lots of campfires. We all come back stinking of smoke. And a good time was had by all. And we stayed in a spooky cottage. Yes, we did. We stayed three nights in a spooky cottage with Becca's two friends. Um, And then... We went camping for a weekend, and the spooky cottage was great. Although, it was an Airbnb that a mate had sorted out. Very nice, in this, like, old abandoned slate mine in Wales called... What's it called? Um, Blenau Festiniog. Yes, very nice. Um, But the Airbnb woman was a bit military, and apparently she was to them. She was like, uh, you can check in after five when you arrive. So, there's a day lost, and you need to be gone by 9 a.m on the day you leave. So you've lost a full day, more or less, there. And nine o'clock, because we, they stayed there the first couple of days. We came a few days after. But we all left on the day that you meant to leave. And at nine o'clock, well, till like about 10 to nine, we were just packing up and, you know, taking bin bags out. And she was stood in the car park, like some Alfred Hitchcock film, just peering over the bush, as in to say, I'm watching you and I'm going to check and I'm going to charge you. Yes, please make a mistake. I'm going to charge you. And so much so that when me and Becca took our bags out to go to the car, she thought I hadn't seen her. And she kind of, not Becca, this woman. And she kind as we walked to the left of the car, she made her way around the right of the car to try and stay hidden. Like she was going to do some big reveal. I'm here. And um, yeah, she was arguably one of the scariest parts, but it was a lovely place. And she was very polite when um, we finally went, why are you hiding? And she was like, oh, I wasn't hiding. No, <laughs> oh, I just happened to be passing the house I own at 10 to 9 in the morning. Um, was it nice? And we had to just be polite, of course, as opposed to saying, give us a chance. Give us a chance to wipe our bum, for Christ's sakes, woman. Um, but no, it, all in all, it was a lovely trip. There was a disused railway at the back as well. It was all very spooky. And um, I put a video on Instagram. You might have seen it. And if not, search for We Need to Talk About Ghosts on Instagram. And you will find me making a video in the bedroom. Ooh, uh, Mrs. Not that type. Because it was a low ceiling, so it was a proper old cottage, like a farm cottage. And there was an attic space um, that I could literally reach up and push this board into the attic. And as I'm doing it, the latch on the door went. And it wasn't Becca. It wasn't me. Because I had one hand on a phone and one hand on this attic loft. And as I lifted up, the latch, and it's like a lit- literally like a, you know, like an old garden gate latch that you put your thumb on and it goes click click one of one of them it went off and it's caught audibly um on the instagram video yes and you can tell that i'm scared because i stopped filming pretty much straight away and i went downstairs and was like the door just opened and obviously everyone was like it's wind it's an old house i'm like it's the devil you fills we're in hell's country 
That's not nice. I don't mean that about Wales. I like Wales. Lovely place. I meant like that little area of abandonment. Anyway, none of that's scary. Oh, that's a lie. It was actually quite scary, if I'm being perfectly honest. I hope you're all well. I've had lots of coffee, so it's going to be a good episode. And as always, we have a host of your stories to get through. Thank you very much for sending them in. Don't forget, if you've got a story, send it into contact at talkaboutghosts.com and I will read it out for that as the show works. Um, just before I get into it, you know what I realised last night? I also put this on Instagram. I don't know why I'm on Instagram all the time, like I'm 16. I'm not 16. I'm 42. Anyway, um, I realised that there's a little age area that I'm, I fall within, and I think a lot of people do listen to the show, that we remember life pre-internet and life post-internet, obviously, and we're going to be the only generation that know that. Do you know what I mean? That, or should I say, we'll be the last generation born that understand that and remember what it was like pre-internet. And then it made me think, do you remember when you would literally, if you thought, I want to know more about ghosts. There was no internet. You couldn't download this podcast or another podcast or go on Google or whatever. You had to go to the library and you'd go to the library. And if somebody else wanted to know about ghosts, they may have got out the best book. So in essence, you've gone to find out some facts and somebody will go, oh, I'm sorry, um, come back in four weeks and you can learn those facts. And you are fine with it. You just go, yeah, OK, thank you. I'll just guess something else then. Imagine that. We were so much more tolerant back then. I mean, right now, if a video fails to buffer in like five seconds, I'm like, oh, damn this internet. I don't have the time. And I do have the time. Um, but yeah, interesting back then. It must have been so much more chilled. I can't recall the memory of being chilled. Just disappointed when it wasn't. In, uh, okay, then I'll come back in a month. A month? God, if you, imagine. Imagine if you're on like Netflix and you think I'll watch that. And you click it and it says, sorry, too many people watching. Come back in a month. Imagine. It's inf it's, you can't even visualise it, can you? Because that's how much everything's on demand at the minute. Maybe life would be better if it went back to simpler ways. I don't know. Maybe it would. It definitely wouldn't. It's boss nowadays. It's really good. Anyway, that definitely isn't scary. Shall we get on to some of the show that we should be doing? Indeed, we should. So, obviously, I need to say a big thank you to all of our patrons. You keep the show going each and every week. Last week's Patreon show, by the way. I'm not just saying this. It was a belter. I've threatened for ages to get Carla, Becca's friend, on the show. And um, we managed to do it while we were in Wales and get all of her stories on. So that was released for Patreons last week. Um, there's a chance around Halloween I may air that on the standard feed too. Because you do all need to hear it. But if you want to hear it sooner, you'd have to become a Patreon and support the show. And when you become a Patreon, you get two extra shows each and every week. You get one show on a Wednesday, which is me just rambling. Because as you can tell, I like to do that. And you get a paranormal special on a Sunday. Today's one is going to be part two of that Carla interview. It's going to be dead good again. Um, so yeah, and there's about 100 over there. So, you know, if you sat there with no content and you think, oh, I've run out of my shows. Don't just sit there for a few days till one comes out. Why not become a Patreon? Support a show you listen to and get over 100 extra shows over there. So go to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. And not only do you get all of that, but I also sing your name as a thank you. And I have some to do today. The guitar is well and truly out. And thankfully for my rapping skills, we only have two new Patreons to say thank you today. And that is Bern Jackson Ling and Fern Truong. And your song to say thank you goes like this. Yeah, Ben Jackson Ling and Fern Truong. You've signed to Patreon and you're keeping the lights on. Ben Jackson Ling 
yeah, and firm true on. Signed up to Patreon and they're keeping the lights on. And I, I want to say thank you. Ooh, ended it on a seventh, because that's what we do here, and we need to talk about ghost towers. We end things on a seventh. Ooh, anyway. Thank you, guys. And don't forget, if you want to become a Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. And each and every week, I almost drop the guitar and break it. But I didn't this time. Hurrah! Anyways, enough of this. Let's get to some spook, shall we? Yes, Kevin, I think we shall. Thank you, Kevin. And we are back. And uh, I need to apologise there. That intro went on for slightly longer than should be acceptable for the Ghost Podcast. But I think it's because it didn't do a show last week. So it's very much, hi everyone, I want to talk all about me. What a thing to do. I do apologise. Anyway, our first email today comes in from Mitchell. And it goes thus. Hey there, Kevin. Hey. Becca. And the neighbour's cat. Meow. Greetings from the States. I was surprised when you were asking people to send submissions in. I'd always assumed you were up to your arse with stories. He says ass, but I can't say that right. It doesn't sound right when I say it. And that sounds uncomfortable, sir, yes. But I figured I would take a moment and write down this very true story that really happened to me. Ha! That sentence totally makes it seem like I'm making this up. But I swear I worded it like that because I think sometimes ghost stories are completely silly and can be explained away very easily. But I know for a fact my story is a real arse ghost story. Again, he says ass, but I can't say it. Caveat, before I send this, I am confirming with the other two people who were in the room when it happened, just to make sure it wasn't some elaborate prank on me 20 years ago, and I don't make a fool of myself. If you're reading this, it was a confirmed ghost. Very good, Mitchell. Good preamble. I'm into this. Let's hear your story. I live in Los Angeles currently, but back in 2002, when this incident took place, I lived in the city of Chicago with a couple of friends from high school. We all grew up in a northwest suburb of Chicago. I won't mention the town, but all the suburbs surrounding the city of Chicago are sometimes affectionately referred to as the Greater Chicago Land Area. At the time, I was in between apartments. I needed a place to stay whilst I finished the run of the play I was performing in. I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in Chicago or move somewhere else. I had two high school friends who lived together and they had a storage room slash office in the back of the apartment. The room could fit a twin size bed and had a couple of boxes and that's it. It also had the heater for the apartment so the room was really dry. I never slept all that great in the room. I tend to be a pretty restless sleeper anyway. We had good times though. We drank and we threw parties even though the elderly landlord lived next door. Nothing ever seemed weird. One night, I came home from the grocery store and put everything away except for about five soup cans I'd bought. I left them in a plastic bag on the counter and that was that. Later that night, I was on my computer with my back facing the kitchen and I hear the bag with the soup cans rustle, followed by a crash. I had a cat named Spider at the time who lived with us and I thought it was her. So I said, without turning around, Hey Spider! When I turned around, my cat was on the couch behind me staring into the kitchen in the direction of the noise, so she definitely heard it. I got up and checked, and somehow the bag with all the soup cans 
had fallen from the counter to the floor. That freaked me out. I wasn't quite thinking ghost yet, so I didn't say anything to the roommates. After that, I started noticing something that kept happening. We were on the third floor, and there was a second exit stairwell that led to the alley, located in the kitchen. It had a small landing with a wooden door and a screen door. Open up the wooden door when it's hot, keep the screen door closed to let the air circulate, that kind of thing. Well, around the fall of 2002, I would hear the screen door slam closed, but no one was coming in or out. It would be unlatched when I would consciously latch it. It happened three or four times, and once when I'd just latched it moments before. That's when I started to get spooky feelings. One night, I had this dream about a black woman wearing Sunday clothes, a hat, and sitting on a bench in the middle of the day, like she was waiting for a bus or for someone to pick her up. She seemed right out of the 1950s or 1960s. In the dream, it's like I wasn't there, like I was watching a movie. She turns her head towards me and looks in my direction, but isn't looking at me and never registers that I'm there. I woke up. I'm not really into dreams and stuff like that, and I rarely remember dreams. However, I remember this one vividly, for the following reason. Later that week, the woman I was involved with at the time stayed over for the first time. When she woke up the next morning, the first thing she said to me was, You have a ghost. She said she woke up in the middle of the night and saw a woman sitting at the end of my bed with her back towards us, like she was waiting for something. And when I asked her to describe it, what do you know? She said, a black woman in Sunday clothes and a hat. She described the same woman from my dream a couple of nights back. Okay, so, now I'm sure there's a ghost in our apartment and I bring my evidence to the roommates and they're not receptive. They think I'm joking and high and they don't take me seriously. Fine. Now, I kind of think this is a fun novelty, so I start to tell friends and friends of the roommates when they come over all about the ghost. My roommates think it's stupid, but others respond with varying degrees. The woman I'm dating and I break up and we don't see any sign of the ghost for about a month. Soon after Halloween of that year, the landlady has come over to fix the heater. This woman was about 75 years old, but looked fabulous. She was a kooky older lady trying to do everything herself still. So she's fixing the heater and I ask her if anyone died in the apartment or if she's heard about the apartment having a ghost or anything like that. She starts to get worked up and says things like, What? Who died? Ghost? What ghosts? I felt a little bad because I sort of confused her. She fixed the heater and left. This was the last straw for one of my roommates and the three of us gathered into the living room. The roommate started saying to me, essentially, you have to stop it with this ghost stuff. That confused her. It's dumb, now knock it off. I kept saying, listen, I really do believe this now and I wanted to know. I don't think it was bad of me to question her. We went back and forth for a minute and then all of a sudden, my roommate got frustrated, stomped his foot and said, Mitchell, there are no such thing as ghosts. Just at that moment, the CD player system kicked on 
and immediately started playing the beginning to the song Super Freak by Rick James. It was crazy. The CD player slash system boombox thing had been completely off. Now, you should go and listen to the recording of that song. It's the sample at the beginning of You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer, but it's bassier and spookier. The CD was our Halloween mix, and that was the first song. It was confirmation. We all looked at each other, and I jumped up in celebration, vindicated. It was scary, and also kind of a relief. We decided we needed to do something, so we salted each corner of the room and bought a bunch of Jesus candles and lit them. Every answer wasn't readily available on the internet in 2002, so we worked with what we could find. I moved out to New York the following February, and I don't remember anything else. The guys still remember, I've just confirmed this with them, and one of them, the disbeliever, lived there with his boyfriend for another two years, and said a couple of things happened, but he couldn't remember what. He also kind of still makes fun of it all. I guess I've had other experiences, but nothing as complete as that. I am a tad weary of ghosts, but certainly fascinated, and I don't know any more or less about them than anyone else. Love your show, why thank you, and the incredible output you do, why thank you again. I know it's not easy, well it's not. Now it's, it's alright. Thank you for your time and effort, thank you. It's awesome, thank you. I just joined your Patreon, thank you, which was long overdue for me, thank you again. It feels funny writing it all out because I rarely share this but I stand by it and I'm a pretty logical person. Now, I must get back to chopping up with this body. <laughs> Fair play, Mitchell. Thank you, Mitchell, for sending that in. And it sounds like we must get you on your show. On your show? We must get you on this show to discuss more of your paranormal experiences. Seriously, though, that's, uh, that's an excellent little story there. I do like the idea of seeing something in your dream and then it plays out in real life. I don't mean precognition. I mean just like what you've described there, Mitchell, where you see a figure. You dream of a figure. And then a few days later, you open your eyes of a night and it's like, baby, baby, I'm outside of your dreamscape and scaring you. Not necessarily in that tune. But yeah, thank you, Mitchell. Don't forget, guys, if you've got a story like Mitchell's, doesn't have to be identical, you know, send it into contact at talkaboutghosts.com and I read them out. Right, let's have another. And we have a belting email that came in from Natalie. Hello, Natalie. And it's entitled, wait, hold on. Let me see if I can use a name. Does she say anywhere that I can't? No. In fact, you'll see that the name's pretty essential in the story, actually. So, it's a good job it's not anonymous. Because there's a point that the ghost would have to go, Anonymous! You'll see what I mean. Anyway, the email is titled, Paranormal Stuff from Nat in the Midlands. Hooray! Hi, Kevin. Hi, I'm Becca. Hi! Oh, no, I'm me. Hi, Kevin. Hi, I'm Becca. Hi! I've been sitting on quite so many stories for ages and have always thought I would get to send them in eventually. So I found a bit of time and now I'm going to share them. Hooray! I've always been interested in the paranormal, but I've always remained on the sceptical side. Fair play. My first ever paranormal experience happened when I was at university back in the very early noughties. Naughty, naughty. Okay then, Nat. Hit us with your best shot. I was in a house share and my room was on the top floor. One night, I got into bed and lay on my side. I had only just got into bed and had not even closed my eyes when I heard an aggressive whispering voice say my name. Natalie. The voice dragged out the first and last syllable of my name, and it sounded like something you would hear in a horror movie. I honestly find it hard to put into words how horrifically terrified I was. The whisper was so loud and I felt cold air on my face. 
Adrenaline instantly ripped through me and it felt like my heart would beat out of my chest. As I heard this, the validation that ghosts and spirits were actually a real thing hit me. I instantly pulled the covers over my head and scrambled around to get off the bed and out of my room as fast as I could. I kept the covers over my head because I think if I'd seen a ghost or spirit, I would have actually died from fear. After managing to get out of my room, I knocked on my housemate's bedroom door, covers still over my head, and hysterically attempted to relay what had happened. I was drenched in sweat from the fear and adrenaline. From hearing the voice and getting to my housemate's door took about 10 seconds. That level of fear I have never felt since, but even now, I always sleep making sure my duvet is covering my exposed ear. Skeptics could assume I was dreaming or there was somebody playing a trick on me. I was definitely the only person in my room with the door closed and had only just climbed into bed, not even closing my eyes or laying still. I was also of sound mind and had not been drinking alcohol as it was a school night. If I could have debunked it, then I would, as I would have preferred that than the alternative. The following days and nights were absolute torture. Both in the day and night, there were noises in my room, such as bangs and clicks, as if pebbles were being thrown at the wall. The TV kept turning itself on and off, and the room just felt like there was something bad in there. I slept with the light on and the TV up loud as a way to drown out the noises. It stopped as soon as I had my room blessed. There's a lot more to the story and bits of bobs that have happened in between, but it would take too much time to put into an email. I've had so many more paranormal things happen, I haven't got time to write them down in detail, but I will endeavour to do so when I get another spare hour or so. Here, however, is an outline of my most recent experiences. 1. A Ouija board experience which gave myself and my husband the absolute proof that life existed after death. 2. Loud banging on the walls of my bedroom in aggressive patterns of six at a time. This was almost as scary as the whispering voice story. This happened in January of this year. It only ever happened over the course of one night and has never happened since. 3. After moving houses, I have heard voices talking amongst themselves. On the first occasion, I looked around the room to try and father out where the voice was coming from. A male voice then said, I think she can hear us. I was then instructed to make certain shapes with my hands to prove that I could hear them. My husband was asleep next to me at the time. Once I had silently proved that I could hear them, I was then given a message which I think related to my nan who passed away the year before. 4. I heard my nan's voice speak to me and we had a conversation. 5. I have heard voices shout out answers to questions whilst teaching. In brackets, yes, I am a teacher and these voices don't come from my students. The voices I have heard are not like voices you would hear from a living person in front of you. I hear them either inside my right or left ear, but they are as loud and as clear as a living human voice. I had no fear either, so I'm sure they weren't from anything sinister. I know these sound completely unbelievable, and when reading it back to myself, it makes me sound like I'm indeed a crazy person. But I assure you, I'm incredibly normal. I haven't heard any voices for a few months now. I don't consider myself to be as sensitive or anything either as I had no control over when I could hear the voices. 
they just took me by surprise on a few occasions. When I was a teenager, I had a vivid dream that there was an earthquake in Turkey. In brackets, my best friend at the time was on holiday there. I was woken up in the early morning by the house phone ringing. It was my friend from her holiday, and she said, Nat, you'll never guess what's happened here. Thanks for reading, Nat. Wow, Nat. It sounds like you're another person that we need to get on this very show. If you wish to, Nat, please just let me know. Drop me an email. You know the address, contact at talkaboutghosts.com. What a series of events. I tell you what, the whole thing that you've put there is terrifying. It really is. I mean, that Natalie uh, in your ear is just horrible. And the co- with cold air as well. So it's like a breath, but cold breath. Who has cold breath? The dead. Phone the priest. Um, no, it is really terrifying though. And you know what is scary as well? Within your little bullet point part that you've done, where you say uh, a series of six knocks in the walls, that's horrible. That sent a shiver right down my spine. So sincerely, Natalie, if you want to come on the show, drop me a line, let me know. We'll get you on. We'll do a Zoom and we'll have a proper chat and we'll dig into some of them things. Because as I always say, I love it because it's a tease, but I hate it at the same time because I want to know more. When somebody says, like like your bullet point one, me and my husband on the Ouija board got absolute proof of life after death. Point two. I'm like, no, no, let's go back to point one and let's deep dive into point one. So Nat, if you want to come on the show, please let me know. Now, our third and final email of the day comes in from a gentleman named Matthew and it's entitled, My Story at the Galleries of Justice in Nottingham. Let me just make sure I can use Matthew's name. I really should need... Yeah, he hasn't said now. Hello, Matthew. This is your tale. Well, this is your email, should I say. Hi, Kevin. Hi. I love the show. Thank you. And I thought I would at last send an email to you to relate my story of spending a night at the Galleries of Justice, in brackets, now the National Justice Museum in Nottingham. I don't know if you've visited the site, but I thought I would give you a bit of a background history. There have been courts and jails at this site since 1449. Bloody hell and the current facade dates back to 1770. It's famous for being a site you could be remanded, tried, and executed in the one location. In brackets, the original scaffold foundations can still be seen on the steps of the building. Sounds like a magnificent place. And my best friend lives in Nottingham. I should go and see this place, yes. Anyway, peeps, this is Matt's story. I personally volunteered in the archives in 2007 and 2008 whilst I was at university. And even though I had no direct paranormal experiences, I often felt an oppressive atmosphere in the corridor between the archive store and the library. On at least half a dozen occasions, I ran down the corridor because something had freaked me out. Whilst working in the archives, I thought it would be a good idea to spend a night in the court and jail on a ghost hunt. I have to say, I would later find this to be one of the scariest experiences of my life but not one I regret. The first incident I didn't experience myself, but was in the room when a lady started panicking, saying, who is that in the gallery? We were all sat in darkness in the courtroom, getting our bearings for the night ahead, when the lady claimed she saw someone in the gallery which overlooks the courtroom. When we looked up, there was nothing there. We all put our flashlights on, and one of the group leaders went up to the gallery to first look around and then see if we could recreate what the lady had seen. After a couple of minutes, we were able to replicate the scene. The group leader would lean on the banister, then stand up straight and turn towards the door. We then replayed the scene, but this time without the lights. 
the lady was happy that the scene was the same, but she said there was one unnerving difference. When the group leader did it, you could see slight bodily features, even in the darkness. She claimed on her original experience, there were no features, just a black mass in the form of a human. My first experience came while sitting in the cells. I was sat on the floor with my back against the stone wall facing the door. I should explain that even though it was pitch black, 21st century ghost hunting means there was a green fire exit sign which illuminated the corridor. While staring at the door, I began to notice periodically the door would go dark, as if someone was just walking past it. It also wasn't the shape of a human, but just darkness, and would fade in and out as if someone walking by. Initially, I thought I was tired and my mind was playing tricks on me, so I decided not to mention it to the group. After about the fifth time, however, it began to freak me out. So I said, is anyone seeing what I'm seeing? And the two ladies sat on the same wall as me, confirmed they were. We were then asked to independently, in another room, explain what we saw to the group leader. And it became apparent we were able to explain the exact same experience. The final experience was probably the most unnerving. As dawn began to break, we decided to head down to the caves below the cells in order to conduct a seance. If you're unaware, Nottingham is full of naturally formed caves, which have been used for a variety of reasons over the years. In order for this part to make sense, I need to explain the layout of the cave. The cave is fairly large, oblong in shape, with the floor covered in grit and pebbles. In order to secure the roof, the cave is littered with brick pillars. With the lights on, we made a large circle, and I purposely positioned myself in front of a pillar in case I needed to lean against it. We turned the lights out and started to call out to spirits, and nothing happened. We were standing like idiots in a pitch black cave. This continued for around 20 minutes, when someone, who I presumed had got bored, decided to exit the circle and walk around the back of all of us towards the exit. After a few seconds, someone panicked and said, Um, who has left the circle? Everyone mumbled it wasn't them. Through his voice, you could tell something had unnerved this man. He screamed, Turn the lights on! As the lights were switched on, I looked around and everyone was in place, and the man said, How can someone orientate themselves around the circle, avoiding all the pillars in complete darkness? As it started to dawn on us what he was saying, it freaked us out. I definitely heard slow, pronounced footsteps in the grit go behind me, around the pillar as I was standing against it. To this day, this experience has freaked me out the most as my rational thought had explained it away as someone just leaving until we questioned it. If the guy hadn't said something, I would have probably never noticed that I'd experienced paranormal activity. Matt. Wow, Matt. And yet again, another invitation goes out to Matt to come on the show and do a Zoom call. Zooming everywhere today, I need a moped. Um, now, that is amazing, Matt. You know what? Nottingham's such a beautiful place as well. If anyone is in the UK who hasn't been to Nottingham, get yourself down there. Fascinating. Becca took me um, 
as a treat to go and see my mate. And also there's a very haunted pub there that we went to. But it's beautiful, yeah, really nice. But I have not been to that location and it sounds amazingly terrifying. So the galleries of justice in Nottingham, yes, I think I need to go there. Hmm. And so does everyone. Should we all go? Should we organise a big trip? Like a school out and send me submission forms like we're in school and a, a permission slip off your parents and we'll all go. Hooray, I'll do pack lunches, baby bells all round. Woo, and Lunchables. Anywho, I think that about ripes, ripes? Hmm, nice ripe banana. That wraps it up for this week. Don't forget, guys, if you want more content, go over to Patreon. Um, the second part of Carla's interview is going to be on today and you, can, you need to listen to last week's one. It's great. And if not, I will speak to you on Sunday of next week. Yes. And I love you all very much. And I will speak to you then. Tatty bye. <laughs>